Yep. Do it already. Three, two, one. Recording? Yeah, recording. This is Mom's Basement Podcast, episode 57. I just kicked a fucking hole in my wall edition. (laughs) Yeah, where we get to ask the most important question. Since a gorilla's legs are like hands, do they punch with their back legs or kick with their front legs? Yes. No. (laughs) Okay. So, you may have noticed, our devoted listeners, or zero devoted listeners, may have noticed that we haven't released a podcast for... It's been a fucking month, bro. Yes. For some time. It's been a while. There's a good reason for this. Um, William's a pab and likes to stall for time. Master Dodger. Alex, shut the fuck up. Under the circumstances, this is no time to make jokes, okay? Okay. Okay, man? Man, this is seriously no fucking time to make jokes. I, I know enough acting, just get to get your point. Well, I I don't know. I, I don't know how to break this to our longtime listeners, um, but you may have remembered that on earlier podcasts, we had a podcaster named Mike who... um. Who left the podcast at one point? Who had? Um, <clears throat> prior to now, uh, I, I haven't wanted to speak about this, but the reason Mike wasn't able to continue to podcast with us is because he was. <laughs> God damn it! God damn it! I didn't make it through terminally ill. Damn! Damn! Oh wow! <clears throat> because because Mike was terminally ill, and just. Over the course of the last few weeks, uh, Mike's illness took a turn for the worse. His condition started to deteriorate. And before we even knew it, Mike was gone. <laughs> 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 uh, no, no, that's not true. That's bullshit. Um, we just haven't uh, been able to find the motivation to podcast. Or the free time, but mostly the motivation. Motivation, such an irritation. Something, something. Don't know how to take this. So, here's the thing. Um, there is no thing. I don't. I don't even know. Don't even fucking know. The plays the thing. So, I've been suffering from a dearth of motivation recently. Couldn't fu- couldn't be fucked to podcast in spite of. Alex Swingle pleading with me to the degree to which Alex Swingle is capable of pleading. It was actually more like, um... Demanding. Yes, demanding than pleading. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then calling you a bitch in the process. Yeah, well, it was mostly calling me a bitch. <laughs> I have an unfinished game for Misery to Prism Games that was supposed to be up almost a full week ago. And it's unfinished still. So I was thinking, why don't we record a podcast about motivation? About how you find the motivation to design, to create, when um, when maybe your work doesn't get the attention that, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe you don't get much attention. Maybe you don't get, your work doesn't get much um isn't being debated every day in story games or whatever. Maybe you're not John Harper or Vincent Baker or Jill McDonald. Or whoever's made the latest Apocalypse World hat. Right, right. So how do you do it? And, and uh, there's two other real... Uh, I, I, I'm thinking of two case studies here. One is... Uh, and both of them are... are friends of the podcast. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, in both instances, these are people whose games we've played on the podcast, who we've talked about quite a bit on the podcast. One, who, want, who wants to introduce case study number one? Dan Maruschak. Dan Maruschak. Enough said. I mean, he's, he's babbling like a little schoolgirl, talking about like no one wants to play his game. Well, I mean, I think 
I mean, let's be diplomatic here. I think there are some good reasons for Dan to be frustrated. His dick is in a vice grip. <laughs> oh, poor Dan. But honestly, though, he's making has made quite a few Google Plus posts saying, I'm discouraged. I can't find the motivation to design. I don't feel like I'm getting any feedback from my design. I don't feel like anyone will playtest my designs. I'm refusing to talk to people who actually want to playtest with his games. <laughs> I'm just saying he's hardcore dodging. He's, he's dodging Rudy's love. Exactly. Yeah. So there's that. There's, and, you know, it seems to me that Dan has become increasingly depressed over the past few months. And his posts are getting increasingly desperate. And we're getting into kind of suicide hotline territory here. But anyway, I say that because that's sort of one extreme. You know, you don't feel like you're getting... Um, and certainly I've been pretty close to that extreme in the past. You don't feel like you're getting any good feedback. You don't feel like anyone's paying attention to you. You don't feel like... You don't feel like your work is rewarding at all. Yeah. And then there is extreme number two. Rudy, do you want to talk about our other case study? Um, if I can think of who it is. Steve Mathers, brah. In oh, of Europe, course. Brah. Yeah, well, Steve Mathers. Um, <laughs> Just a second. Alex Swingle, I wish you would not send me posts to Wikipedia articles about <laughs> Maslow's hierarchy of needs in it the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't wow. even... Sorry, Rudy. Well, Steve Mathers has uh, been working on a game called Engineero mm -hmm. for probably about... What, two years, two right? Two years, yeah. And recently he put it out. Put and, it out. Uh, he's been working basically with no uh, no feedback. Very little feedback. Very it? little. Yeah. Oh. I mean, we, we yeah. play-tested it and uh, gave him some feedback on it, and some others have done so. But, uh... Very little feedback. Very little, and almost no support on, you know, story games or other places. He he got some on the forge. There was some. He had some threads on the forge that I think were going, but then the forge closed. Right. So yeah, he's done it basically without any support, and it's like, how the fuck did he do that? Right. And and without even a Kickstarter, he's printed copies of the book without even doing a Kickstarter and all the promotion associated with that. So. I guess what I'm saying here is you have two individuals, in both cases, about a year ago, their games were put over a year ago now, a year and a half ago, um, we played both of their games on Mom's Basement Podcast. In both instances, we, you know, we played them, we critiqued them on the podcast, and then like so many other games that we played, we kind of forgot about them for a while. And now, a year and a half later, one of these designers is despairing and the other has created something complete a full and it's not even a small game you're talking 80 pages of rules which is sizable for an indie game and you're also talking five scenarios for playing the game so from zero to zero in one case from zero to an eight to a hundred plus page printed book in the other case in a year and a half and what's the difference here? Both of them working in obscurity, both of them largely ignored by the community. Yeah, and just to be fair, Dan has put out, like, several drafts of his game. Yeah, extensively. He's put out several drafts of his game, but it's been largely abandoned since then. I don't know. Yeah. So that's the question. Well, or at least that's the problem. Those are the circumstances under which we podcast. Now what? <laughs> so I'm just laughing at like how much I'm gonna have to chop up so that way it doesn't like stall as hardcore as possible. That's the that's the preference of 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 why of why we're here today to talk about it because it's something that affects all of us. It's why I posted that link to the hierarchy of needs because <laughs> motivation <laughs> is is beyond a basic thing. You can't just like say yo bro, you know bro fist him on the shoulder and say, you know, get to work and do it. Right. No, it doesn't work. Yeah. They gotta feel it. They gotta want to actually do something. Right. And where do you find that desire? Especially, once again, when you're designing mostly in a vacuum. 
and I am eating fried rice out of one of these cardboard Chinese food containers. I feel like a lawyer in a John Grissom movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm too busy, like, saving falsely accused or falsely convicted men on death row to get a plate, brah. Too fucking busy for a plate. Yes, sir. Okay, so anyway. Oh. Man, yeah, so let's let, let's start it. You, we gave examples, and now let's let's go well, let's, for it. I don't know. I just start. don't have the motivation to talk about it. Oh, yeah, you! I'm supposed to the bad puns. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah, let's let's start it out there. Like, yo, know, there those you know those those are two fine examples of people like you know who I don't want to be a jackass because you know as much as I like to say bad things and about a lot, I'm I generally like. I, I hope for the best. I mean, that's why I've said multiple times, like, I've tried contacting, like, for example, Dan, in order to try and help him with, with his stuff, because I hear what ha- what, what he's saying on, on the Google Plus and such, and it's like, oh, come on, I want to help you out, man. And then I'm hearing, I'm seeing, like, Steve Mathers and stuff, and I, you know, I asked uh, him if he needed any help, and he says he's fine, you know, he's doing his stuff, and he did it. So, you know, just offering the help isn't isn't the only thing that can be done. I mean, like what? What do you guys typically do to try and motivate yourself into doing something? Like what works for you? Self abuse. I sit down and I feel bad about myself. I'm like, man, why aren't you making that game? It's it's a week late, bro. What are you, a piece of shit? What's wrong with you? It's a fucking five page game. Why haven't you fucking written it yet? Because you're a piece of shit. That's why. Because you're worthless. Yeah, you don't think you're worthless? Well, then make that fucking game. Oh, oh, you don't feel like it right now? Well, then you're a piece of shit. Actually, that doesn't work at all. That just destroys my motivation even further, and then I don't want to make anything at all. I don't know. That was a bad example. I'm not very good at motivating myself. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so here's what what I tend to do. I'm sorry. Somebody's knocking on the door. Man, most interruptions per podcast since this was actually filmed in Rudy's mom's basement. On the couch, Rox. Go ahead. Get on there. Is this your dog? Did your yep. dog just interrupt the podcast? <laughs> yeah, he wanted in, and then he kept uh, scratching at the door. <sighs> Twinkle, you were going to tell us what motivated you. Yeah, I'm going to say that it's my loved ones. They're the ones who help motivate me, piss me off to no extent. Really? Your loved ones? You have loved ones? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, there's there's people I respect, people I like, you know, people I live with. And that, you know, I I admire their uh, just being with them. Mm. Uh, So, yeah, that that helps me quite a bit. I'm very codependent. I mean, come on. Uh, if I if if I if I had any uh, you know solo skills, I'd totally uh, dip you know get you know get rid of you uh, snowflakes. What? No. <laughs> First of all, snowflakes. <laughs> You're special people. Oh, I see. Oh. Um... I got it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Apparently, that was too clever for you. It was. Uh, <laughs> it was too clever by half. Okay. Um, but yeah, that that usually helps me a lot, especially if it's uh, somebody in who needs me. Like, uh, you know, maybe if you had called us actual fucking Nazis, we would have gotten this. Okay. Um, actual but, motherfucking Nazis. But but for me, that's what helps me a lot is uh, being wanted. Mm. When that happens, then I'm definitely motivated to do stuff. Because it's not it's not just my my position now, it's somebody is in need of assistance. Mm. That but, motivates me. And that's true. I mean, that's a good point. Being feeling wanted and needed certainly provides motivation, especially if the thing you're producing is wanted or needed. Um, but I hate to break this to you and others. There isn't much need for another indie role playing game. I would say the market is close to saturated. <laughs> nah. Yeah. It's saturated. It's it's saturated with the same type of games, but that's a different discussion. 
Yeah, that is a different discussion. <laughs> but I mean, that, that's a, a segue into something else we can talk about, or into another form of motivation, which is sometimes motive. You know, you're most motivated when you're trying to say "fuck you." Yeah. yeah. When you are designing in response to something you see as a something you perceive to be broken, something you perceive to be. Um, missing or damaged within the current community or within the current crop of games out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I was going to say that that's the majority of uh, the new story games is all of them are just like, oh, I hate this Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> oh, I don't know that that's all of them, but not that I, I, I was using the granddaddy of games. You know, there's right. probably other stuff. Well, that's true. I mean, the origin point of so many games is frustration with Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> well, it's just the whole point is there there would there would not be other people trying to make new stuff if they were satisfied. If they're satisfied, they'll probably they probably wouldn't do anything. Hmm. Yeah. See, I find that uh that, that kind of motivation motivation um you know to settle a score or what have you. Yeah. With something that tends to, for me at least, burn out pretty fast. Yes, like it helps in the in the way beginning, you know, when you're starting conceptualizing, thinking about shit. Inspiration. Yeah, inspiration wise, but then it kind of just loses steam. That's true, and that's how I feel too. Antagonism, antagonistic game design, is good for getting you started. Is good for inspiring that first idea. But, I mean, unless you're a dude who really holds a motherfucking grudge, and, you know, some <laughs> people are, it's hard for that alone to carry you all the way through the process, especially through playtesting, through drafting your game, through layout design, through, yeah. you know, um, enlisting an artist to do artwork, through launching your Kickstarter. At some point, you're probably going to have to find some reason to do it besides just you know, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Alex. <laughs> here's the thing, Alex. <laughs> Say things in, like, text message or in, you know, in an instant message on Skype that you should just say in the podcast. Well, you I just... didn't want to cut you off. So, oh. <laughs> so just keeping, like, hold that thought and that plan. He just sent me a message that says game design is like the five stages of death. What I was good at when I when I when I wrote that, you know, I I'll, I'll just reference it so that way it can be cut into it easier. But I said uh you know game design is like the five stages of death where at first there's anger, <laughs> you know, and then at the end there's acceptance of like <laughs> <laughs> Where there's like you know there's grieving in the process because you're frustrated and everything you know so I, I I think all all the different styles of motivation regardless of what what you use as your focal point to in order to create something I think it could be very useful I mean that's why the majority of like musicians like when they like love songs or something like that is because they 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 uh, they write from the heart yeah. of something that you know that fucked them over. Mm. Made made them made them cry, right? So so having a passion is like the biggest thing that matters when it comes to motivation, and, and a passion could be multiple things. It could be um, the passion for getting paid. It could be the the passion <laughs> for uh, you know, um, for again being angry at somebody. Um, I I know quite a bit of like some of those uh those edgy like uh what is it Taylor Swift nowadays. I, I know some of those edgy singers. They sing about like you know ex boyfriends and stuff, you know, and rage and ah la la, <laughs> you know things like that. You know, you, you gotta have some sort of uh, not. I don't want to say muse, but you need to have something there. Because mm. because like I said before, if you if everything is perfect, you don't want to really do anything. Something has to be missing for you to really want to do something like that. Because it takes a lot of effort, a lot of mental effort to write these to, to do this stuff. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. But, and I, I think that's true, too. But in a lot of cases, the muse you're talking about, we're still kind of talking about inspiration. We're still kind of talking about the beginning of the game. And that's often the easiest part. Not that 
you know, getting a great idea is easy by any stretch of the imagination. Just that it's easier to begin something than end it, than complete it. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned money. I mean, money is a form of inspiration that will tend to carry you all the way through from beginning and end. Usually because you have to complete the project before you get the money or because repeating or because receiving the money makes you contractually obligated to mm. complete the process. So like deadlines and that kind of thing. Right, exactly. Deadlines and um, yeah, exactly. But in a lot of instances, the when you're talking about indie RPG design, the money is purely hypothetical. The money is wishful thinking. Not to say that the money will never be there in any way, shape, or form, just that you certainly can't count on it. Especially if you've never sold a game before, never published a game before. Mm. So what else is there? Well, the, that 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 brings because since since that's like usually the number one thing that uh, causes a lot of people to do what that, that what they do, like you know like jobs that you don't most people really don't like their jobs. Uh, and that's and money's the the number one solution of why they do it. Uh, mm. You know the answer I mean. So yeah, yeah. Besides, since this is a form that doesn't um, instantly reward effort, since there's no quick, there's no quick, um, quick. Not I don't want to say scheme, but there's no quick answer, no quick solution yeah. to it. It right. takes time to build it. So you have to, you have to really want it to happen. And where do you find that desire from? I mean, I feel like a lot of this, a lot of what I've been saying too, but a lot of what everyone's been saying has been kind of circular here. Like, um, almost like saying, well, in order to get motivation, you have to be motivated. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> to, because to say something like, oh, well, you really need to love what you're doing in order to find motivation. Yes, okay, but loving what you're doing is almost another way to say that you're motivated. Yeah. And what when you what about when you hit those moments when you just can't can't grind out another page. You just can't make yourself sit at the computer and write another page without knowing whether or not anyone is ever going to read it. You have to accept the death of your game and just do it. <laughs> <laughs> No, like I said, when I when I made that point, it just made perfect sense. It's like yes, it's like like you have you have you have to be like, oh yes, I have to get this done. You know, oh no, this person just died, and then you know, go through all the cycles, and then it's like, fuck it, I don't even care about this thing anymore. <laughs> and then you just start writing. And then you just start writing. <laughs> I I think that's actually pretty true, but I feel like Rudy was trying to sneak in there. Go ahead. Oh. <laughs> So what, uh, to get specific, what helps me uh, when I'm feeling down as far as motivation is to do something completely different mm. but still similar to what I was doing, if that makes any sense. No, it doesn't make sense. But what <laughs> I, said, I said, no, it does make sense, not no, oh. it doesn't make sense. But why don't you give an example? Uh, well, like, when I, when I feel you know, shitty about a game design or something, uh, basically, and I'm to the point where, like, I want to throw it out right. or whatever, um, I might work on a different game. Mm. I might just just put it down, just all together, and say, okay, I'm going to work on this now. Or I might, you know, work in Game Maker Construct 2 or something like that, you know, work designing computer games. You know, something something in the same vein, of the same creative vein. And do you feel like one act of designing kind of inspires the other? No, I, I, I don't know. It, it almost just, uh, it almost just gives you kind of. It feels like a break, basically. Oh, it kind of cleanses the palate. Yeah, and I find that that way, um, it makes you feel good about yourself, kind of because, um, you know, you're getting something done, right? Even if you're not getting what you hope would be, you know, done. Right. It keeps you from being totally locked in that, like, cycle of despair. The Dan Roostack cycle. And I'm sorry to pick on Dan, because I've been there plenty of times where you're oh, like, yeah. fuck it. I yeah, hate I this. I really should be doing more work on this. 
but I'm discouraged. And then you tell yourself, I should be doing more work on this. And you get more discouraged and you just go off a cliff. That way you can say, okay, I'm setting this aside. I'm going to work on something else now. I'm going to make a different game. I'm going to write something different. I'm going to do something else that's productive. So I don't have to feel bad about myself. Um, but I don't have to be beating myself up over this game anymore. Right. And like, I think one thing that, um, like if you're talking about doing something in the same creative vein that mm-hmm. helps is, you know, to think about what you wanted to accomplish with the thing that you were trying to work on Yeah. and then say, okay, I'm going to, maybe I'll try something that's a little bit different in a different you know, creative area that's still trying to accomplish those same things. Right. So maybe I'll write a story, you know, about rape or whatever. <laughs> I going to say rape. <laughs> or, uh, you know, maybe I'll uh, make a game about it or, you know, a video game about it or something like that. Right. And I think that's a really good point, actually, because I've noticed that there will be times when I start working on one game like, maybe I say, oh, I'm going to make a game about vampires, and I'll really go and dig into Wikipedia and, and do a whole bunch of research, and I'll have this idea for this game I really want to make about vampires. And I did have an idea for a game that I really wanted to make about vampires, weaving all this different lore and stuff together, and then you'll be like, well, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? And you'll just have so much trouble trying to devise the right mechanics, you'll just be banging your head against the wall... And then suddenly maybe you'll step aside and say, oh, I'll make a different game about vampires. And then that and then that game just falls together right away and becomes passing and is done in literally like hours mm. after you spent like days beating yourself up about the other concept. Mm. So, so, yeah, I mean, that works. And I think that's a good um, way to handle it. Well, if you think about this as being a kind of multi-step process, right, game design, maybe it's a maybe it's a four or five-step process. Where step number one is your initial inspiration and your initial idea for the game. You know, developing a um, and this is where anger or resentment or frustration with the way another game is working comes in as a motivating factor. In that initial phase, when you first come up with it, you first identify a problem and say, my game's going to solve this problem, where you first have an idea, and it becomes a concept for a game. And then step two is a step where I think... Um, well, step two seems like it's devising the mechanics, you know, really coming up with the 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 meat of the game, figuring out in your head how the game is going to run, how the game is going to function. And that's when what you're talking about can really come into play and be useful, really. Um, when, when, say, maybe you're struggling with a mechanics or struggling, the game isn't totally congealing, that's when it's good to kind of step aside, do something else, come back with some perspective. Step three, in my mind, is an entirely different matter, though. This is the busy work step. This is when you have to sit down and write the fucking game. The game that is largely complete in your head, that maybe has even been played before off of some off, off of rough notes or whatever, but now it needs to be in one document. It needs to be polished enough that you can present it to other people, and it needs to be one cohesive written thing. And so you need to sit down at the computer and you need to grind through putting this thing that's already complete in your head onto paper for other people. And that, for me, is usually when my motivation hits the wall. Hmm. Are there things you can do then? Um, well, I find that I don't usually have the same uh, that same step there. I usually, you don't that, process as me. Yeah, no, that, that step usually comes... the the busy work stuff usually comes like in the beginning mm. when I first get the idea because I try to write up something basically before I forget it. <laughs> oh, okay. But uh, think as uh, as far as as far as that though, I think one thing to do is to actually just go over. I mean, I know it sounds kind of vain mm. and kind of you know silly, but 
go over like some of your previous work and get psyched about it. You know. Oh yeah. No, that's a good point. And get you know, find out what you think worked for that, you know, or what made you good, feel good about that, right. and then try to get into that mindset. That's a really good point, actually. It's, I know that sometimes when I am really down and out on motivation, I'll read Six Page Manual. I'll be like, <laughs> let's read Six Page Manual. Let's go through these punishments. Yeah. And I think Six Page Manual is the only work of prose, the, the only instance where the actual writing of a game really pleased me. And I think more so than the writing of any short story I've attempted has pleased me. I just really like the way that I wrote that game. Not just the, not just the, um, you know, Yakov, Smirnoff, uh, faux European, like, Google Translate voice for the game text itself, but also the way the punishments are written and stuff. I just like to read that. And usually I feel really bad about the way stuff I... Uh, excuse me. I feel really bad about how I've written things after they're done. I always say, oh, that could have been written better. Six-page manual is the exception to that rule. Mm-hmm. But yeah, going back and reading something like that and saying, oh, hey, I enjoyed this. And I enjoy this even though it maybe didn't get a whole bunch of attention. I enjoy the fact that this exists. I... I should finish this other game and put it out there so that I can also enjoy the fact that it exists at some later date. Yeah, I, I think uh, understanding that what you're feeling is a temporary thing is really key to under to to, to getting through um, those those dark times in your uh, in your efforts. Like when you have to do like the writing or even just coming up with something is having having that mindset of like you know. This is this is something that I I just I can handle. You know, you have to have, you have to have the you have to have the 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 self confidence, like the power to to understand that it it doesn't mean like even though you're feeling frustrated right now, it's it's not going to be like this forever in mm-hmm. terms of like the thought process of making this work. Um, because as soon as you uh, start thinking like it's never going to be better, I'm never going to be able to fix it. You're never gonna fix it, so yeah. it, it, it you kind of have to do like almost Zen Buddha like uh, thinking on this, where where you need you, you just you, you need to know for certain that this is not like solving a mathematical equation. Although there is a form of mathematics when designing a game in terms of like risk reward things like that, um, yeah. it's not something that is like you trying to carry the world on your shoulders, you know, Atlas style. It's you're just trying to think up what's the best way for you to want to do something. And so since the focus is mainly you, you are the thing that gets in your own way. And understanding how you function can be the best solution to almost all problems. Hmm. Like, for example, for me, like I said, I'm a little codependent. I understand that. And if 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 I get if I'm inspired to do work by working with others, a better man would go and focus on actually, like, you know, trying to actually contact other people just to get stuff done. And like for you, Will, if you if you're the kind of person who, like, as soon as as soon as he turns on the screen and opens up Open Office or something like that, and you just like you just feel like a seer of like depression just overshoot you. Yeah. <laughs> maybe get somebody to type it for you while you just speak at them or something like that, or just like maybe like write down some random notes. And then, like, again, ha- have somebody else just, like, you know, edit it. I mean, that's why some writers flat out have editors just for that entire purpose. That's true. It's true. Yeah. It's not something I could do because um, my speaking voice and my writing voice or voices are distinct in a lot of ways. And I'm very uh, meticulous about my writing in a way that I'm not about my speech. But, but that's what I was getting at is, you know, if, if, if you can – acknowledge that you have a weakness of some sort right. it, it don't even, you don't even have to call it a weakness if it feels like too depressing for you but <laughs> just acknowledge like what what's going on and what you like and why don't you try steering your solution to something you like hmm. yeah. Yeah. that's true and I think self-awareness is very important here as you've been saying 
Alex. I mean, I think that's the core of what you've been saying, that if you want to know how to motivate yourself, you really have to understand what makes you tick before anything else. You have to be self-aware, and you can't assign external causes to something that really has an internal cause. And I think that's how you fall into the Dan Maru's Jack lagoon. <laughs> it, it is by saying, I don't want to design my game because no one's going to read it anyway. I don't want to finish this design because who's going to play test it? I'm not going to do this because what's the point? X, Y, or Z won't happen. Or X will happen and it's bad. You know, as opposed to saying, I don't feel like designing this game because I'm depressed right now. Or I don't feel like designing this game because, you know, for whatever psychological reason. Because, because you know, because I had a shitty day at work. There's no possible way I can write this. There's so many things that are wrong with it already that I can't even bother to, to even put it on paper. Well, yeah, and I'm feeling stressed and I'm feeling frustrated and I'm in a bad place right now, so I can't write. Which is very different than saying, you know, world won't let me write. No, like, there's all these problems outside, and unless they're all solved, I can't write. You'll never write. You'll never finish. You'll never finish producing a game if you have that perspective. If you think that you have to beat, if you have to feel like you have to defeat every external foe that you have before it's time to sit down and really work on the game, then you'll never. You'll never. You never will. You never will. Because your imagined external enemies are endless, you know? Yeah. But speaking of Dan Maru's Jack, <laughs> step four in the process is the Dan Maru's Jack step. When you were look, when you've got a draft of the game complete, and you're looking for someone to playtest it, and you're having trouble finding a playtester, and you're also having trouble getting constructive feedback, and you just are having so much trouble finding the motivation to really take another step forward. Well, I think that's another case of um, expectations on uh, what the pro- uh, what your project is. Because, like I said, I have contacted him saying, dude, I'll play it. I'll play whatever game you got going on there. I'll even play with you. Because he even talks about, like... Uh, Wanting to have you know people for like a game night on Thursdays or something like that. We're gonna go deep and personal just so we can like you know fully give a good answer here. Okay. Um, I I believe it's his fault for not accepting another person. You know his standards are too high to meet uh, what needs to be done. Hmm. He's he, he, I'm saying no defensive barriers. You know the I have to have this done before this can be done. I have to have somebody want the game before I just play the game and find out how it works. You know, things like that. Because I'm saying, though, I've actually, I, I like the guy. He, His meticulous beard is so damn amazing. <laughs> how could you not like him? I but know, joking right? aside, he seems like a cool dude. So, like, you know, I wanted to, to help him and, you know, you know, buddy up. And he refused help, you know. If he need, if he wants people to try it out to get you know rapport about how the game works, then that's that's his decision to not do that. Because if he really wanted it done, he would get out of his own way and just present it and to as many people as possible. And that seems like that's your larger point for tonight, Alex Winkle, is get out of your own fucking way. Or as you said to me before we started recording, you're your own straitjacket. <laughs> <laughs> I did like that. It was a pretty good one. <laughs> I did like that quote. I actually put it up on Facebook. And usually I like to pretend that you don't even exist on Facebook. <laughs> oh. 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 Oh, burn. <laughs> no, I'm just, just fucking around. You know. <laughs> But I have nothing but love for you, Mr. Swingle. Yeah. <laughs> and anyways, love fest aside, um, <laughs> I think that's like usually my only uh, suggestion is like, okay, what's getting in the way? Oh, well, I don't think. Get out of your own fucking way. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know, Rudy. You want to get in here? Um, 
I don't have too much more to say, but I think one thing you can do, definitely, uh, this is kind of in the same vein as Alex, but uh, you can go do something, well, I don't know quite how to say this, but you can go, you can go accomplish something else that's easily accomplished mm. and be like, yeah, you know, I can do this. And I guess that kind of gets into the, well, actually, that that's not really what I meant. What I mean is, go do something else that, um, you know, something else where you have the same kind of fears as your game design. Like, for me, believe it or not, a lot of the fear from, you know, writing games, or a lot of the mo- lack of motivation comes from fear of what people might say. Really? Or how it'll be accepted. Huh. And so... <laughs> Like maybe <laughs> wait just a second. How will my game about opportunity rate be accepted by the company? Well, yeah, no, I mean, I, no, I understand that. Go I want to, I want people to have fun with it, and I, you know, mm. but, uh, and sometimes, you know, my shit, I think, well, maybe I'm getting in the way here of people having fun with it because of the huh. subject matter, because of whatever. Can you but, give an example of that? Uh, well, yeah, like that opportunity rate game. <laughs> oh. I mean, like, there's like, too much Rudy Johnson in this game. Too much, like, yeah, too much. There's too much conceit in the, you know, the, right. or the conceit of the uh, of the project is something that maybe people just don't want to play. Oh, huh. But I think what you can do to overcome that, and what I do is, um, just go out and do something, um, something that, you know, that shows basically you don't really care what people think, hmm. and you have and. It actually involves going out and doing something, the act of doing something. Like, you know, like maybe I'll post, uh, you know, some angry shit on Facebook, or not Facebook, I don't have Facebook. Tumblr? But uh, LiveJournal, or, or Tumblr, yeah. And just be like, yeah, I don't really give a fuck, you know. Just show show the world that you don't give a fuck. Huh. And that, even though it's kind of stupid and uh, I guess maybe childish in a little bit of a way, it, it does help you. I think it helps psychologically to uh, to overcome that kind of fear of you know because it's like a gradual build up. You know, you gradually right. build up to doing you know your ultimate fear there. But right. And uh, yeah, so that that's one thing that I do. Huh. That's interesting. That's a good point. I the only thing with that is that I find like I find that sometimes when I do something like that, like. Let's say that I'm really stuck on working on a game and I just can't find the motivation to do it and I'm getting really frustrated. Then I go out and I make some posts on Tumblr or Facebook or something. Yeah, and like, you know, kick a hole in your door, you know, something like or, that. Or kick a hole in my door. <laughs> that although the frustration I'm feeling might go away, the motivation sometimes go away, goes away too. It's like, oh, I just did something cathartic. I don't feel like I need to do anything anymore. I can just go lay down on my bed and watch Fringe or whatever. Right. Yeah, as in, like, the reason for why you want to do it has gone away because you relieved that tension, that problem. Right, exactly, exactly. Hmm. Well, for me, I guess the reason why I'm doing it wouldn't really have anything to do with the, uh, the cathartic act or whatever. Oh, okay. Necessarily, so, I mean... Like, I can see what you're saying, but I mean, right. like, when I do something like that, it's it's almost like an exercise, really. Really? It's not really like a, uh, you know, any type of, uh, you know, like, trying to, you know, find inspiration or, you know, even, you know, like, anything like that. Okay. It's almost basically just like a... It's almost like self-medication, kind of. <laughs> really? Oh, so, yeah, like, I mean, on those days where you, like, just try to, like, grab some girl and put them in her van, like, you don't do anything afterwards, but it's just training. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, that's, that's not exactly, but... Well, I see what you're saying. Instead of drinking, you make angsty posts on Tumblr, or you make a post about rape on Tumblr or something, and then that gives you, like... Like, how some people say, oh, well, I drink because it makes me feel motivated. I drink because it loosens my inhibitions up so that I can write, that I can create. It's like I make, you know, I I, I post, like, pictures of dudes in blackface on Tumblr 
so that it, it because it lessens my inhibition so I can write a game about blackface. Is that about it? Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> I'm just reading what Alex is writing. I know. <laughs> Dude, the, the viewers can't re- the viewers the listeners can't read what you post. It's usually a reveling shit. So so like what I said is like getting a girl in a van is an opportunity for rape. You know it just makes sense if you pay attention to the context. I was trying to do a callback. <laughs> yeah. I see. Hmm. All right, so now uh, my dog wants out. <laughs> Oh, one more thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, just to get a little darker, uh, I wouldn't necessarily. Well, uh, I don't know if any, anything legally um, is wrong with saying it, but I wouldn't encourage people to do this. <laughs> well, you're not saying but, like, oh, okay, go on. Yeah. Well, a lot of times, uh, like literally beating myself up actually helps me get going. Like, literally bang my head against the wall. Really? Yeah, really. <laughs> and I don't know if it's taking out the stress or, um, you know, punching a hole in the wall or something is, like, taking out the stress. Or, um, I, I don't think it's that, though. Huh. I think it's almost like a, um, I don't know, maybe it's just... Endorphin rush? Like, banging your head against the wall, your brain rattles around and... Yeah, endorphins. <laughs> it's the endorphins, bro. The endorphins. <laughs> yeah, but maybe it's just... I, I know there's some, like, studies about how, like, physical pain and stuff can, well, motivate people to do certain focus things. Focus you, yeah. Yeah, it can focus you. And that that's what a lot of times I find I need when I sit down to write something is focus. Mm. But again, not necessarily encouraging anybody to beat their head against the wall, but right. I have in the past. And it, it's actually worked, so... Really? It's made you more capable of writing afterwards. It's made me more focused, yeah. Well, huh. the thing is, that has everything to do with the, uh, with the fight or flight kind of thing. You're, you're, you're shooting adrenaline yeah. into you. You're manufacturing yeah. motivation. Yeah, so I guess it does have some physical, you know... Yeah. Well, that, that's interesting because... For me, that works basically the same way as the, the making angsty post on Tumblr thing I was talking about before. Um, there's certainly been plenty of instances, excuse me, where I've gotten so frustrated, sometimes about something I was trying to do, sometimes about other things, that I've been literally beating my head against the wall, or maybe I put my belt around on my neck and pull it tight for a few seconds, <laughs> um, or whatever, you know, or I, you know, take your fist to your face or whatever. But and I find afterwards, I certainly feel better. But it's like cathartic better. It's like, oh, I can go to sleep now. <laughs> mm. um, it, it's not necessarily, oh, hey, you know, now that I've beaten my head against the wall, I can finish designing this game. Mm. This is quickly becoming the self induced <laughs> podcast. Yeah, so powerful. How do you like to hurt yourself? <laughs> um, I generally don't. <laughs> well, that's normal. <laughs> Man, what the fuck? <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> you reprobate that. <laughs> oh, someone's screaming outside. So, so I guess what we're saying here is that it seems like it's heavily dependent on the individual. I think Alex Swingle's point about getting out of your own way stands, and about knowing yourself and understanding what motivates you right. stands. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think motivation for each individual person is certainly going to come from different places. And, um, so there's not necessarily one thing that I can do or that you can do or that Alex can do that will be universal for anyone, right. anyone else, you know. I know, Alex, do you feel motivated right now? I actually do. Really? Yeah. Oh, Rudy, do you feel motivated? Uh, not particularly. <laughs> oh. See, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> different and different things. strokes for different folks. Right. Right. So we rambled for an hour. Yep. We? Okay. Well, that's about did, an, hour. an hour really already. About yep. Fifty-seven minutes. Closing it on an hour. Okay. Well then, 
to conclude, why don't one of you or both of you give a pep talk to Dan Malou's Jack? I, I'm going to let Alex handle this one since uh, <laughs> since I've already talked so much to Dan. I recommend he shaves his beard so he can cool. disassociate himself from his current personality. Really? Huh. Huh. Didn't think of that. Sometimes that's what is required in order to actually get something new accomplished. You have to change who you are, what you think of yourself. And changing who you are on the outside can lead to changes on the inside? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Just like some men um, are only about their beard, you know, some people could be, you know, only about, like, their comic book collection or something like that. Like, as in they identify themselves with that. And if anything is not related to that, or if anything is not... um, focused around those certain subjects you know you get you know it, it can it can it can limit your uh, your perspective on things on how things can be accomplished because i mean if you look at the history of the guy he he is he's he's pretty one tight dude in terms of how much stuff he's accomplished like outside of actually writing up uh, rpg stuff you know did coding worked at intel I only know this because it's just something about him. You know, it's very easy to, to get. I, I haven't been, like, you know, scrounging for information. Stalking him. Yeah. <laughs> Alex Swingle, you protest too much. <laughs> yeah, but anyways. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he has the skills to easily do stuff like this. It's just, I, I just think he's just, he's too, he's too himself right now. He's too focused on one thing. And he needs to get out of his, uh, his current mindset. By shaving off. His beard. With the machete. With the machete. <laughs> so, Alex Swingle, what should I change about myself, then, to get motivated? Get rid of the ponytail. <gasps> the dude. <laughs> the long hair is... What not attracts the ladies. Actually... <laughs> okay, Lancelot. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, all I know is that there's a big high school lineman that dies after a tackle, okay? There's bigger things to worry about. (laughs) Where the fuck did that even come from? Yahoo News! All right. (laughs) Oh, damn. Okay. (laughs) So... So yes, like I was saying before, the five stages of grief could easily be applied to motivation. <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> yeah, <or that>. Oh. <laughs> I think we're closing in on acceptance territory now. Well, I guess this is the best podcast that we're going to be able to record tonight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so without... Well, I mean, it has been a full fucking month here, pal. It's going to be a while before we can get back to normal. That's true. (laughs) And since I didn't do this at the beginning of the podcast, since we're closing on the end, do you have any um, announcements to make? Um, I'm going to be writing up a supplement for Mr. Steve Mather's game in Janeiro. Really? Yeah, I just said, hey, bro, I'll do one for you if you want me to. Yeah, I, I feel I feel like I should give you that. And he yeah. said, "Yeah, sure, blah blah blah. Here's some papers." Was there something else you were thinking about me talking about? No, I was just giving space to talk about things like that. He is a very flexible and accepting guy. He's someone who tends to like embrace any opportunity, and I think that's another distinction to be made between those people who are able to find motivation and those people who can't. Often people who can find the motivation are very malleable, adaptable people who are really looking for it and who are willing to accept imperfect motivation over expecting the most perfect, exacting uh, standards. I'm just saying that I, I imagine that, Alex, if you had said to someone else, like, hey, I'll design a scenario for your game, 
they might have said, no, fuck you. You're not one of the, <laughs> like, ten indie designers on my short list to make content for my game. They might have said, okay, now let me explain in excruciating detail exactly the um, exactly the standards the supplement must meet. Yeah. Because uh, I, I remember that's what uh, I'm gonna we're, we're gonna be doing some name call here. That's what happened when I tried to talk to David Artman about that uh, um, role, you know, that LARP game. Because I told him this is what I don't like about this game, and it's just like, well, that's just your opinion, pal. It's pretty much the equivalent that I got from him. I see. Versus like, you know, hey, why don't you actually fix these problems? It's like these problems don't exist. I mean, they they're all solved because of the problem that you just mentioned. Hmm. It's my hate of GM Fiat. That's all it is. GM Fiat. Now, that's another topic for another time. Or maybe we talked about that. I don't know. No, we haven't. Okay. So, Ingenero has come... Oh, yeah. That's another thing worth announcing. Ingenero is out. I think we'll probably put a link up to the page where you can buy it. It's 15 bucks. Steve Mathers is a really cool dude. And that's 15 bucks for a paperback copy of a game that includes five supplements and has a manual that's over 100 pages. So you're getting a pretty good – that's pretty standard retail prices there, really. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a paperback novel because it's engaging to read. Right. And I've seen the PDF version, and the presentation is high quality. Yeah. So cool. And it's actually had a reduced. He actually he 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 did what other uh, highfalutin people uh, did chose not to do. He actually made a PDF for it. And you can either get the print version for fifteen, or you can get the PDF for nine. That's right. I'm referencing Luke Crane again because he's a fuck. <laughs> okay. Uh, are you? Has um, Steve Mathers re- released the PDF version of that game? Yeah, it's available. You can go buy it. Yeah. Oh, okay. I know he was on the fence about whether or not he was going to make the PDF. Yeah, he was on the fence, and then he's and then like multiple people were requesting for it, and so he said, "Done. Here, here's the price for PDF. Here's the price for print." Cool. So nine bucks for the PDF, or fifteen dollars for the actual physical game. Yeah. That's cool. Rudy, did you have any announcements to make? Nope. Nope. Okay. Well, if I do find the motivation sometime in the next few days, my newest game will be up on Misery Tourism Games. It may be... So who's playing Sonic? Uh, one of my roommates, I guess, is playing Sonic on my... Oh, man, Sonic. Playing Sonic 3. Oh. But anyway... Good ones. Well, they're playing it off of... It's my, my Wii Virtual Console. It's the only one on there. So anyway, um, it may actually be up now. If I really got motivated, it may be up while you're listening to this. So if you want to go to Misery Tourism Games, miserytourism.com, and check it out, that would be cool. It's going to be a game about ghost stories. Dun, yeah. Done, I guess. Dun, dun. Alex Swingle, you seem so unenthusiastic about my self-promotion. Well, I, I heard I heard the pitch and I wasn't impressed. I mean, it was pretty. It it it, it, it sounded pretty poopy when you told me about it. So, dude, dude, I don't go on here and say, yeah, Alex Swingle has this game it's called Crystal Capers. We played it two hours. Kind of sucked. We actually had a good time, so you can't say that. <laughs> yeah, oh, I know. <laughs> And I'm just joking. Of course, they're gonna they're gonna check it out. I mean, come on. My motivation was was up, and now it's down again. I, I'm saying, Will, um, considering that I prefer feminists over actual motherfucking Nazis, there's a lot of people who don't really give me the credit I deserve, or at least <laughs> I would like, when I'm trying like like say something. Like my influence is very small. That's true. That's true. It's actually almost better to say Alex Swingle does not approve of this game. Yeah. Alex Swingle thinks his game is worse than actual motherfucking Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> I'll use that on my Kickstarter when we do the Misery Tourism Kickstarter. That'll be the quote. 
<laughs> Worse than actual motherfucking Nazis, Alex Swingle. Uh, I'm yeah. sorry, uh, guys. I, 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 even if we, I don't know if we're gonna keep this section of the recording in, but it was a reference to uh, me almost getting banned on story games because I told uh, a bunch of people uh, who were being overzealous about their love of women and trying to get dates. Uh, I, I said what their, <laughs> what their thing was was bullshit because it's the same standard of you know feminist um, going over equality and giving control to women so they do a role reversal and i don't i'm not a fan of that shit so that's why i said this thing offends me more than actual nonsense i am going to be as courageous as i usually am and offer no comment but i was saying though that's what happened so it was a choice quote and it's yeah it's a great no, it, well, it was just very <laughs> I can't think of the name Alex Swingle without thinking of Nazis now. <laughs> <laughs> Actual motherfucking Right. But anyway, so that was Mom's Basement Podcast, episode 57? I don't remember. I closed the window. That told yep, 57, control. I believe. Yeah, where we meander for an hour. Yep. Yeah. Okay. About motivation and never get motivated. <laughs> All right. Okay. Mike coming out. Bye bye. Pulling out that motherfucking mic. Mike out. Have a good time, guys. Yep. Bye. See ya.